Yes. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Seinfeld Podcast. Uh, I'm Chris Pugh. here with Laura Kessel. Um, Craig is out this week. He's been sick. But, Laura, we're going to try to keep the ship going straight without Craig. How are you today? Good. Doing good. Fantastic. Um, yeah, interesting episode of Seinfeld this week, The Revenge. I, I, I got to tell you, George has had some really crappy bosses over the years. <laughs> well, George is also uh, a terrible employee. <laughs> so, like, the, the worst bosses attract the worst employees, you think, right? I don't know. George just seems to um, think that he deserves top shelf, even though he's just a just an employee. You know, you don't, if you're just an employee, you don't get to use the priority bathroom, you know? Yes. Earn it and you can use it. Now, I got to tell you, we're in COVID land where I don't think hardly any of us have worked professional jobs have been at the office for close to two years now. It is going to be hard if we ever get to the place where we're working out of the office every day. I'm not sure if that'll ever happen again. But, you know, like, I, I watched this episode 20 years ago and I'm like, that's ridiculous. How dare you make go crazy about something like that? And now I'm like, man, yeah, I would be pissed off if I can't use whatever bathroom I want because I could do that here at home, you know? So I'm actually with George now. If we had this podcast 25 years ago, I'd be making fun of George. But I'm like, I'm pro-George in this argument. I am not. You're not? <laughs> no. He's a, I mean, I, we know more about him because we've seen like further seasons, but George is not a very good employee. So oh, no, that's... <laughs> George does not you deserve to use the executive washroom. Right. right. Um, okay. I think this is the first, um, the, fir the first sighting of George's obsession with bathrooms. Yeah. By the way. Um, I have to say that I sort of share George's thing, not okay. with knowing where the best bathrooms are, but I know where bathrooms are in general, you know, like certain, like everywhere I go, I know where there's a bathroom, yeah. you know, I mean, it might not be the best bathroom, but at least I can go to the bathroom when I'm there. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you my worst experience of employee bathroom. I worked at a, it's where I ran the newspaper chain and the main office. Uh, I was like the big editor. I didn't have my own washroom or anything. I shared one bathroom with like 10 people, six of them were old ladies, and we had one toilet. Mm. And oh, you know, you wanted to make sure you kept that toilet clean because if you, if you, if it was messed up all you hear about from the old ladies, that all see that bathroom. Mm -hmm. it, it was a terrifying time. I didn't want to use the bathroom at all. Just... Did you have a cleaning crew or were you the cleaning crew? Uh, we had a cleaning crew late at night though. Okay. But if you were there eight in the morning and, and I'm not saying we like torched the bathroom or they, but I mean, I'm saying if you locked one spot or, you know, one air and drop somewhere, I mean, you know, you're an idiot, you're a moron and, you know, mm -hmm. HR memes were coming up. Oh, it, it was a wild time. It was very crazy. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what's your worst bathroom experience? Uh, where... Um, I don't know. I mean, I'll be honest with you, Chris, and I think you might know this about me, that I am, 
I will use the men's bathroom if the women's bathroom is is full. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't care. You know, um, I'm like, you know, I I don't think the women's bathroom like like if you I don't know how I don't know how most men, men's bathroom is there, but like the men's bathroom at my office at where I was working before COVID, I've used the men's bathroom there. And um, the, but um, How would you I haven't that? used one in Canton. So <laughs> any Canton people who are listening, any Canton men who are listening, <laughs> have not used your bathroom. But like, I don't know how, I don't know how every bathroom is, but um, every, pretty much every public women's bathroom has a handicap stall, you wow. know? Or a large, you know, a large stall, we'll call it. I don't know if it's handicapped or what, but I feel that that is a bathroom that can be used by anyone. Okay. So I don't, th I don't see it as a um, don't use unless you are situation. So, okay. I mean, that's my hot take for the day. <laughs> well, I don't get too sidetracked, but I have to ask about this thing. You ever get a time where you use the bathroom or a guy walk in? Hey, what are you doing here? No, usually not. Um, That's good. But like, I mean, when I was working where we worked together, um, I had to use it a couple times. Once was the women's room was something was wrong um, in the bathroom, so we weren't supposed to use it. And I had, you know, we had people that kind of stood watch. But um, and I think like when I worked where I was working before COVID there were only women in the newsroom, so it really didn't matter, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so. You know, it was interesting, and I'm not sure how restaurant policy changed. It might be a good news story. But I know, like, right before COVID, there was a huge issue about transgender mm -hmm. policy, you know? Mm -hmm. What happens if a transgender person uses the opposite bathroom or whatever? But, you know, I got to say it was interesting, and this was right before COVID, a lot of the restaurants here where I live in Columbus change their policy. And mm -hmm. let's forget the moral argument, you know, if you're for or against whatever. I got to tell you, it was a nice, like one restaurant I like going to, they just said, they took out the men's and women's and said, hey, bathrooms, you can use That's them. better. There wasn't a big yay transgender or boo transgender. It was just use them. And I got to be honest with you, what I liked yeah, you know, so I'll lock them the door. You can lock it and whatever. But I'm like, wow, it's easier ease to use in the bathroom. And mm -hmm. my girl was very little at the time. It took her a while to use the bathroom, help her get cleaned up. And boy, I felt great as a dad, knowing that I wasn't, you know, holding up the bathroom for a long time. So, you know, it regardless how you feel about the transgender issue, it was fantastic for families mm -hmm. and everything else. It yeah. was really good. You know, when I was in college, um, our I lived in a dorm pretty much the entire time because I figured I didn't want to take extra time to walk from off campus, you know. So um, our bathrooms had urinals in them, you know. So they were ready to be male bathrooms, you know, at a flip of a switch, you know. So, I mean, I think... I think more of that should happen, you know, because I mean, as a woman, you know, everywhere women go in public anymore, there's a line for the bathroom, you know, I mean, I don't exactly know why that is, but I mean, we don't have to do that much more different stuff than a man does in the bathroom. 
funny. Now, you know, with COVID, I don't really go out yeah. a ton. But I used to, before COVID, you know, I take my daughter to the mall, we walk around and have fun with a bunch of stuff pre COVID. And it was always interesting because, you know, my daughter's way too young to go to the bathroom by herself. And she's, she would walk in the bathroom and point at the urinal and say, Daddy, you want to use that? And I go, mm-hmm. and the guy's going, why? I'm like, and I say, Alex, my to later. Let's go to the <laughs> Yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't had that question from her because she has been in that bathroom recently. But yeah, it, it, it probably speaks a on the sex, the sex ed time. It's good there, too. So. Chris, I need you to sit a little closer to your mic. Yes, yes, definitely. definitely. Thank you. Uh, but, yeah, let's talk about Seinfeld. Um, yeah, so the boss. Now, remind me of the boss's name. I go Kramer's boss's mixed up. You would ask me that because I don't know it. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm so Episode seven. Uh, let's see. Well, let, as you're looking, let me give you my thoughts on the guy. It was okay. funny. He seemed like this playboy, ladies man. He didn't seem to be that attractive of a man. <laughs> uh, for no. one. Uh, as George said, he looked like a blowfish. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's just a very. Um, you know, the language he used employees, I, I know, again, that's changed for many over the years, but, uh, you know, he pretty much ridiculed George, called him worthless and everything. Um, you know, you don't hear that that much now from people. Uh, I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah, so George quits. And sometimes when you quit, you, you get those second thoughts. You're like, am I doing the right thing? Why did I quit? I love Jerry's response. Just saying, just go back in like nothing happened. Yeah. You know? You're an emotional <laughs> type person. I, I always wonder about that. Like if I quit a place and, you know, I didn't have instant regrets, but I was wondering what would that be like if I just came back, you know? Um, well, anywhere I work, it would not go over well. <laughs> yes. yes. Especially because, I mean, you know, let's be honest. It's a, it would be a, I think it might be a different situation if he wouldn't have ripped him to shreds when he walked, he's walking out the door, you know? Right. You know, George hadn't ripped the boss. I mean, if he had just said, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to leave and then walked away, you know, he might've had a chance, but not with what he did. I I think probably where we worked in the past, probably the worst thing that could have happened, like, and, and this could be a whole new podcast talking about, but. At our place, our former place of employment, there was kind of a weird thing where, like now, if somebody quit, like if an editor quit, you know, you're like, okay, we got to wait a couple weeks, hire an interim editor, you know, think this through and, and make an employment. Well, when on our desk is someone left, my goodness, you know, you're calling the office when you come in, hey, you know, we want you to do this. You're like, great, let's do it. You know, I mean, somebody is in place. So I guess if, like, you know, when I left the News Herald, when you left the News Herald, if they took you back, you may have lost your pre- previous spot. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. have to go into that level underneath, maybe. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I was thinking what would happen if I would try that one of my former places. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's my advice. 
don't go out with a don't go out with a flash. Go out with a, yeah. Go out with a whimper, sort of. Yeah, yeah. go go out very apologetic and see what mm -hmm. happens. And as you can see, yeah, um, George flamed people when he left, but at the same time, uh, George uh, came back and it didn't go well when he just slipped back in the meeting. You know, he got told off by his boss, and he wanted to have revenge. So uh, he and Jerry made a plot, but George kind of came up with the thought and said, you know, hey, I am going to slip a Mickey in this guy's drink. <laughs> and, man, when you think about revenge, that's that's a weird type of revenge, a Mickey. You never know what would happen. Exactly. I wrote down, one of the first things I wrote down is this was uh... – George's first dalliance with murder. <laughs> you know, as we know, he succeeds later in the series. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, you got to start somewhere, you know? Yeah, it... I, you know, I don't think he knew why he, what he was going to do once the Mickey had been submitted to his glass. You know, I mean... He didn't. I don't think George knew what was going to happen, you know, to the guy. If he was going to live, he was going to die. If, you know, what if, you know, what if he lived, you know? I mean, we have no idea what happened, <laughs> you know? But, um, I mean, it, it just seemed like such a bad idea from, from, oh, George, yeah. from George. I don't know necessarily that Jerry went along with it. I think he was like... He was like, oh, some of the stuff that George, or sorry, that Jerry said was hilarious. You know, he's like, I don't even know why I'm saying the word Mickey. <laughs> and, you know, you notice that the discussion about the Mickey took place in a public place with other people around, you know. So, um, which brings me to another point of mine. Um, this uh, brings, this was the first episode where Jerry, um, showed his uh problems with laundry and lawn you know getting his lawn on lawn his i wrote ongoing laundry issues he has he hasn't gone to the dry cleaner yet right um where he got the little shirt back I, yeah i think that was pre that yeah yeah so he's you know poor jerry can't get can't get his laundry done properly but i loved i loved the reference to fluff and fold um, because fluff and fold to me makes me think of, um, St. Almost Fire. Did you ever see that movie? Um, where, uh, Emilio Estevez says to Andrew McCarthy, when you, when I make it really big, I'm going fluff and fold. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to own a chain of, uh, laundromats. Well, and see, I, I gotta think too, and again, comedy play up for laughs, but I don't want mix my laundry with anybody else's. I mean, family, I, I guess, but we're, we're friends, but I don't want to see yeah. our clothes being the same laundry. I mean, come right. on. And, you know, that's that on top of, you know, the, the funny part, of course, was Jerry asking for them not to be the machines, not to even be touching, which was hilarious. Yes. Um, but um, the laundromat guy, I have a lot of problems with the laundromat owner. <laughs> Yeah, he was a jerk. Because, like first of all, he, when he's washing the clothes, he doesn't notice an envelope full of, what was it, $1,500 in cash. Yeah. 
in Jerry's in Jerry's laundry <laughs> and it gets put in with Kramer's laundry. I think you know, how did that happen? First of all, you know, you know? so honest. clearly their stuff was washed together. Right. <laughs> um, and then, you know, he's like the other guy, like the, you know, soon to come or whenever it comes, the, the uh, dry cleaner who, you know, it's just, it just happens, you know, whatever happens, happens. There's no, he has a sign on the wall says we're not responsible. So he can, anything can happen and it's their fault. Well, you got to think of this from an insurance standpoint. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you said, hey, we're going to make sure everything's cool and everything else. I, I mean, what if you had something illegal on your possession? Does that mean you have to report it to the police or something? I don't know. Yeah, it seemed like a harsh rule, but the way he responded was like, yep, screw you. I got your money, you know? Yeah. Me. Yeah, he, he was a real jerk. I, yeah, like I just thought of another, I, I actually thought of another dry cleaner thing with Jerry where the guy was using his mom or the, the wife, the owner's wife was using the Jerry's mom's mink coat. Remember? I mean, Jerry must have had either Jerry or maybe Larry David had issues with laundry. Yeah. Um, because, you know, like you think about the soup Nazi, that episode was based off one writer's weird mm -hmm. experience at a deli in New York. Well, they have three episodes about, you know, man, so, you know, laundry people don't mess with, you know, sample writers or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, something else that I noticed in this episode was that Kramer basically, aside from where he was putting the stuff in the washer, the cement, um, he was really like, he, he, this episode to me showed that they hadn't really reached Kramer. We, they haven't really reached Kramer potential yet, you know, because when he came in and was talking about Newman jumping off the building and stuff, I mean, it was just so, you know, haphazard, you know, at the beginning. And it just seemed like it was like, he's not quite ready for prime time. I was wishing that Craig was here with us today. Cause, um, He's, you know, he, he and I have talked before about the fact that, you know, Kramer and Elaine were underused in various episodes, but this episode to me was like a real, like a, I wrote a real star turn for Elaine, you know, because when she's dealing with that nasty boss, you know, sitting at the bar and making up those stories, I mean, it was real there's some real acting going on there. And she really, I think she really shined pretty well. I mean, she's a young, you know, she's a young actress at that, when, at the point when she's first in Seinfeld, you yeah. know, I mean, she, she had done, she had done some weird little sitcom where she had a real small part and she had, you know, she went to that from SNL, which she was kind of a small player in SNL. And then, you know, once she got into Seinfeld, she took up, you know, she started chewing a lot of, chewing a lot of stuff. So yeah, she showed her, her star power with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I thought it was funny. You know, Jerry rightfully said, "Hey, the Mickey's a bad idea," but then Jerry takes Kramer to the laundromat and mm -hmm. wants to fill it with concrete, like one of the washers. Mm -hmm. And it was funny. Jerry's trying to distract the owner. Mm -hmm. uh, Kramer almost knocks himself out with the concrete, which 
man, that would be quite the way to go if that's what ends up happening. And the best part is the guy never says a word. Yes. You know, the owner. He's watching him the whole time. You know, he should know that a soap is not the color of dry cement, you know? Oh, <laughs> but, he's not responsible. You know, hey, if, if there's a death in his laundromat, yeah, hey, it's not his fault. You know, it, it's all good. Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, it's not his fault. But um, so what do you think of Jerry paying off the paying for the washer that was destroyed? <laughs> he did the right thing. I, I can't always say that about Jerry, but yeah. he did the right thing on that time. Yeah, you know? Yeah, probably. Because, I, I mean, I think he did the right thing because, uh, you know, he he realized that the guy hadn't done anything with the money. You know, he just honestly... I don't think the guy even like misplaced it in the wrong place. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he picked it up and put it into the wrong bag. I think it just ended up there. You know, I think he just, I think he was just so careless and didn't, didn't really try. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Well, more, I am looking at the hour and we talked about this off here. I've got a personal thing I need to handle tonight, mm -hmm. uh, but Thank you, as always. Um, sure. A little pulling back the uh, what do you call it, the curtain or whatever you want to call it. Today's a birthday. I'll tell you, Laura's always one of my favorite people, and it's this is a great treat to podcast with Laura about goofy <laughs> shows. Thank you. It's a great birthday gift. I really appreciate that. I mean that. Um, next week, we're talking about the heart attack. Yes. Where uh, Jer Jerry. Uh, gets this great idea uh, about sh about something, and uh, he writes a note, but it's indecipherable because he's half asleep with righteous, so he's trying to uh, decipher it. And George is visiting a holistic healer, and she's dealing with a medical issue. So, very good. Looking forward to that one. Well, Laura, as always, thank you so much, and we will talk more next week. Thanks for checking us out. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.